0: Thank you guys. I am uh, I'm glad I wore waterproof mascara this morning. Um, and uh, <laughs> I want to say two things real quick so no one uh, gets it twisted, because um, I still have had a few people ask me, so sabbatical, what is this? Are, are you coming back? Are you leaving? Did you get fired? Um, <laughs> not yet. Um, that was a joke. Um, no, again, this is a, a healthy, normal thing, uh, a time for, for a pastor to get away, to strengthen their spiritual soul. Um, and I also want to say, if anyone's like, where's Hunter? Where's his wife? She's serving in the toddler room, so pray for her right now, because um, she probably has a hard thing. But um, no, I want to say again, thank you so much. Um, this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about this um, the need for rest and why we do this. But I, but I do want to say it. I know I already said it before, but I, I, but I do want to say it again. One of the things that I'm really excited about for sabbatical, other than just um, the, the reconnection in many ways with, with God that I'm, I'm looking forward to. It's, it's a weird thing to say, but oftentimes in ministry, when your vocational job is to do spiritual things, um, there's almost this weird hazard where uh, you can lose connection with uh, the source. And so one of the things I'm really excited about is to spend time with God where there's nothing I can say that it's going to be for a sermon later. There's, it's just selfishly, I get to be with my heavenly father. And so I want to say again, thank you so much for that. But also I am really excited for our church because uh, as Josh mentioned, you know, one of the things that will happen is this will remind us. I, I, I fear oftentimes, especially in the United States in churches, there can become this thing where there's almost this idol worship, there's this dependency on one person. And South Creek Church of God is not Aaron Perry. Um, South Creek Church of God is made up of so many incredible leaders Uh, who serve the Lord. I am just blessed to be one of them. And so I'm excited to see some of the ways that others, um, you're going to see some other people's gifts that maybe you don't normally get to see. And I know you're going to be blessed. In fact, if anything, I might get back and you're going to be like, yeah, I don't know if we need you still. Um, I don't know if that'll really be. I'm hoping it'll just be a fun time back together. But again, I want to say thank you. And I I do just want to say, I have my full confidence in our our staff team, in Pastor Cole, in in Josh in the board. And so again, thank you uh, so much. This morning, I was uh, thinking about um, times in life where you are uh, transitioning, especially thinking about our grads this morning. I I remember that excitement graduating from high school and and wondering about college and what was going to be next. And I remember when I sort of graduated from college. I was joking with someone earlier, I was one of those people that... um, I got to walk in my college graduation, uh, but on the inside of where my diploma was, where all my friends had, like, you know, their name for a diploma, mine was basically an IOU. Um, it was, "If you finish these classes during the summer, we'll mail it to you." Which I eventually did get it, okay?) Um, But I I started thinking uh, earlier this week about the summer that I graduated from college. My parents, my my dad is a pastor, and um, they served at the same church from the time I was one until I was 19, and they moved while I was in college, which was a unique experience because uh, for many, when they would come home from from college or the service or different things, you know, they would come back and they would see friends, And, and my parents moved about an hour away to a community that I didn't grow up in, I didn't really know a lot of people in. And uh, I primarily would just come back at the holidays, but the summer that I graduated from college, I was in between um, graduating and I was in the process of working on trying to get a a pastoral job. And so I moved back um, to my parents' house for that time being, and I um, secured a job working uh, for the local um, parks and rec um, uh, sort of department in this little town in central Michigan. And uh, it was a great great experience. But one of the things that was so interesting, and maybe you've had some of these jobs before, or maybe you're in one right now, you you begin to quickly pick up little patterns of how things go that are maybe a little bit unique and different. I remember I was told that I needed to be at work at 6.30 so I got there thinking like we're about to work and I found very quickly that really what that first 30 minutes is, it's a meeting but really what it is is the guys get together and they complain about their wives and they talk about whoever lost in sports the night before. I learned that that was just the pattern. I wanted to argue about can I just sleep in but That was just what it was. I learned that there was uh, machinery and there were locks in those buildings uh, that sometimes you had to have a little bit of elbow grease. You had to turn like three times, right? You might have to kickstart a certain type of mower. And so when I got this job working there, I primarily would do landscaping and things of that nature. This town, for whatever reason, if I could meet the person whose idea this was, I would have some choice words for them. Uh, But they decided for miles to put petunias along the roads. And so most of my time while I worked, my dad used to say that I was part of the petunia patrol, which meant that I either was driving a water truck, watering them, or more often than not, I was sitting on the side of the road pulling weeds. Um, I oftentimes would get people from my dad's church whom I did not know, by the way, very well, who would pull up and they would ask me, uh, which class from college taught you how to pull those? Which is like, Love is patient, love is kind, <laughs> love does not slash an old lady's tires. <sighs> but when I worked at that job, uh, I, I had one experience that I'll never forget because it's, it's, it's one of those moments that maybe you've experienced before and if you've never have, good for you. Um, but, I, but I had a moment before where I uh, took out a vehicle And again, all of the different vehicles they had were very interesting, the different trucks and things like that. They all had their own little quirks and things that you needed to know about them. Uh, But I took out one one day to go, I think, pull weeds. And uh, when I got in the car, or got in the truck, and I went to turn the ignition, nothing happened. And it was in that moment that I was reminded that the truck that I had uh, was one that earlier this summer, someone had told me in very casual passing uh, that the uh, gas gauge did not work. And so it was a truck that you never exactly knew how much gas it had in it. And for whatever reason, the system in place for that was, well, either just go get it filled up uh, each day or just kind of take notes. There was no good feeling. And so uh, you have to imagine, I'm, I'm, I'm not the manliest man. I have a beard. I understand that. Um, but... I have to call, like, my boss, who's like this gruff, tough old guy. Um, He's just like a manly man and tell him, like, hey, man, I ran out of gas. Can you come get me? Which there's a little bit of, like, oh, gosh, why? And they were cool about it. But it was interesting. It got me thinking about how often many of us live lives where um, we are sort of like that truck. Uh, We go and we go and we go, but oftentimes we have no real... um, system in place, no lifestyle that we've created that would give us an indication for when we're about to run out of gas. This morning, I want to talk about this idea of the importance of rest. And I want to talk about it because I really think it is one of the missing pieces of people following Jesus today in our time, in our culture. Because one of the things that I worry is that most of us, um, our lives are too fast-paced They're too unfocused, and they are centered around things other than Jesus. And there's a reason why whenever you talk to people, more often than not, when you ask them how they're doing, they don't say good, they don't say bad, they might just say busy. And it's interesting because we have gotten to a place in our culture where we almost brag about how burned out we are. Like I've seen these conversations played out, right, where there's almost this one-upping when someone's like... Man, I'm just busy and tired, and they're like, tell me about it. I worked 50 hours, and the kid's in this sport, and this sport, and this sport, right? And it's almost like we're trying to have this, like, one-up, like, who is more tired and exhausted, which is ridiculous. We live in a time and a culture where burnout is a badge of honor, where we think hustling is like holiness, and the reality is burnout is not a badge of honor, and hustle is not the same as holiness, As followers of Jesus, we have to begin to flip the script. Now, I should be very careful to say, and and, and before anyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible is clear. It is important as a follower of Jesus, as a good steward of the life and the gifts that we've been given, of the opportunity that we have to be an example in our community. Hard work is a good thing. It is a good thing to follow through on your commitments, it is a good thing to excel at the things that you do, that if you're, if you're called to do something, do it with excellence, it honors God. But we have to get to a place where we understand that we are not machines. We have not been created to work and work and work until we die in a wasted way. You have been created as sons and daughters with immense value and worth, and so much of that potential, so much of that goodness only happens when we experience rest, and in particular, when we spirits rest in and through Jesus. But again, this world calls us to move faster and faster. Rich Velotis, who's a pastor in Queens, New York, says this way. He says, as long as we remain enslaved to a culture of speed, superficiality, and distraction, we will not be the people God longs for us to be and there are a lot of people who I see rarely reach the potential of who God created them to be because of these things because they are constantly moving quickly because they're seeking relationships that are superficial because they're distracted by things that oftentimes are good things but are not eternal things that we never reach who God created us to be That's just not good. Some of it I think is because we have this toxic mindset that rest is a luxury. And here's the thing: rest should not be a luxury in our life, it should be a necessity. In a particular when I talk about rest, I'm not just talking about having a day to binge Netflix. I'm not just talking about going on some sort of vacation. I'm talking about finding time where we are just alone from the distractions of the world, where we are in some sort of connection with our Heavenly Father, whether it's in his word, whether it's in prayer, or whether it's just literally being out in his creation and standing in his presence and being in awe of who he is. But again, so many of us, maybe we grew up in family of origins where we have been so uh, elevated this idea of hard work that we think it's weakness, we think it's wrong to do this. And I want you to say, Jesus, does not just simply invite you to rest. He commands you to rest. It is good for you. It is important. In the very uh, beginning of creation, God spends uh, the first six days creating, right? He takes chaos and he brings order. He takes nothingness and he forms it into something good and beautiful. And if you remember, on the seventh day, he rested and he called this the Sabbath and this, this day that is supposed to be set aside, to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. And it's one of those things that we have, uh, as followers of Jesus, over time neglected. We've let go this idea of finding a sense of Sabbath in our life. This word uh, in Genesis 2 is Shabbat. It's in Hebrew. And it's where we get the word Sabbath. And it essentially means to stop or to cease or to be complete, but it also can be translated to celebrate. Oftentimes, in the grind of life, many of us are lacking joy because we do not not stop, we do not cease, we do not celebrate. One of the gifts of life who we were created to be, how God created us with his intention before sin began to flip upside down this world was that we would be people of Sabbath. We would be people of rest. And I know some of you are already like, you don't understand my job, you don't understand my schedule, you don't understand all of these things. I, listen, I get it. I get it. But one of the things that I, th- I believe about rest, why it's so important, is that rest is an act of worship, saying, God, you are enough And you're in control. Some of the reasons why some of us do not ever actually rest, we don't cease, we don't stop, is that we, if we're really honest, are afraid that if we stop, everything will fall apart. We're afraid that if we don't produce something, we will lose our value. And yet, if if we are to look at Scripture, if we're to take the words of Jesus seriously, we have to recognize that our value does not come from the things that we do. Our identity is not based off the things that we do. It is about whose we are. And rest is this beautiful act of worship where we get to declare when we stop, when we cease, when we stand in his presence, when we are just with him, that he is enough, that he's in control, that he's got it. But many of us need to lay down our idol of control. Because if we don't, we're going to be a lot like that truck where we have no gauge to see where our tank is. And we may find ourselves broken down on the side of the road, feeling empty and filled with shame. Now, this morning, I want to read one of my favorite psalms. Um, the, the, the first part of sabbatical while I'm gone, you guys are going to be in a series called um, Summer in the Psalms. I know it's not really summer, but it's kind of summer, right? I'm not a name it and claim it theological person, but I'm naming it and claiming it for good weather, okay? And all God's people said amen. But during this series, you're, you're going to hear from some different guest speakers looking at some of the Psalms. And Psalms are great. If you've never read them before, they're kind of in the middle of the Bible. They're part of the Old Testament, and they are primarily prayers and poems and songs. And one of the things that are awesome about them, they're, they're primarily written by um, David. You know, David from David and Goliath became King David. And they're awesome because they are incredibly real and raw. I also, when I read them, I'm like, listen, I am like, David, you need a therapist uh, because you have some big feelings going on, which I say that because we all probably really need a therapist, by the way. And by the way, uh, it's not wrong to follow Jesus and Go to therapy. It's actually a really good thing, by the way. Uh, But David has some big feelings. I mean, he goes from like, God, you are so great, to may we bash the skulls of our enemy's children. Like, whoa, bro. Like, calm down there for just a moment, okay? But I love it because it's real, and it's honest, and it's raw, if we're honest, like, I don't know about you, but I would be afraid if what rolls through my mind, the thoughts of my heart, if they were displayed out there for everyone, oof, I don't know, if, I probably wouldn't have a job anymore. Um, but I love the Psalms because they, they show us the moments where um, we are our, our highest moments and our lowest moments. They, they show us that God is someone whom we can trust, And in particular, one of the things that it teaches us is to continue to go back to God in prayer and find rest. And in Psalm 62, I want to read the the entirety of this, and I want these words to hit you. This is a psalm where where David is is, is writing about um, how he finds rest, even when he's experiencing attacks, even when he has enemies that are surrounding him, all of these things. This is what he says. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this teetering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies with their mouths. They bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, but the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to the Lord. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they've done. Now, I love how David goes through all of that. You see, even when he experiences, uh, from his perspective, persecution or injustice, he continues to find himself coming back to the fact that God is his refuge. That he will not be shaken no matter what. That the true rest, and this idea of rest really is this idea of wholeness and completion. It's, it's very similar in many ways to the, the Hebrew word shalom, which is a word for peace, which means kind of wholeness or, or put-togetherness. So many people are dealing with lives that feel wildly disjointed. They feel anxious and down, and so much of it is because they have not found refuge in God. They have built their lives in a place in which it is shaky. And one of the great things they need to do is rely on the power of God. Because, friends, true rest is only possible with God and from God. To find actual rest in this world and in this life will not come from an experience, will not come from a vacation, will not come from a relationship, will not come from an escape. It will only be there when we find ourselves truly in just the presence of God. Not having to work out anything, not having to try to uh, figure out a way to uh, earn in any way, but to just stand in the presence of God as a son and as a daughter and just experience his goodness and his grace. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says these... um, these famous and incredibly powerful words. I think they're some of the most important words that he spoke uh, in his ministry to us who are trying to follow Jesus today. He says this, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of my favorite um, things I've read about this passage in recent years is many scholars believe more and more that um, rabbis, teachers of the law in the Jewish faith, which Jesus would have been identified as one, um, they would sometimes talk about their interpretation of Scripture to that point, the, the Torah, um, being a yoke. And a yoke was this thing that would be put on um, farm animals, oxen, things like that. And uh, think about when you've maybe put on a pair of shoes that did not fit right, and you try to walk with them, and they're just uncomfortable, they can be burdensome, they weigh us down, they, 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 they trip, they do all sorts of things that just don't go well. In the same way, there would be yokes that sometimes were either too heavy or they didn't fit right, and they just they, they, they didn't, they didn't work out well. And oftentimes, uh, the interpretation of God's Word would be called the yoke, and, and Jesus essentially was saying that yes, the teachers of the law, the prevailing ways of this day, their interpretation of who God is and what it looks like to follow after him, it's uncomfortable, it's burdensome, and it's not what you were created to wear. And he invites us instead to come follow him, where his burden, it's, it's easy, and his yoke, it is light. And there are so many of us whom, if we would just take Jesus seriously, if we would trust him with our salvation, if we would stop trying to earn his his grace and just receive it, if we would stop trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Smiths and everyone else around us and begin to realize that we will only experience true rest and wholeness and peace when we begin to prioritize our relationship with him. That's when life will really begin for you. Now, when it comes to rest, and, and, and again, a lot of people have been asking kind of, what I'm going to be doing with sabbatical, Uh, there there are kind of three main focuses with rest, and these are the the three key things I'm trying to focus in on while I'm gone. And and here's what they are. Um, Rest helps us reset our pace, refocus our mind, and recenter our hearts on Jesus. Rest helps us reset our pace, refocus our mind, and recenter our hearts on Jesus. Every single one of us, if we do not pause, if we do not assess, and we do not make changes, we will be like a ship that is at sea who never really makes adjustments. We'll be blown around by life. Many of us right now are running at incredibly crazy paces in our lives, and there's a lot of it that's more in control than we we want to admit. So I want to talk real quickly just super briefly, about these three things and and what they mean to me and what they mean, I believe, for followers of Jesus. Uh, The the first thing has to do with pace. Um, You have to reset your pace to a pace of grace. You have to reset your pace to a pace of grace. There are a lot of people who I talk to when they talk about the busyness, the pace of life that they have going on, and if I'm honest, when I hear them talk about it, I, I feel bad for them because there are some things that are not in their control, but there are a lot of things that are There is much in our control that we don't want to admit. There's a lot about how we spend our time and our money and our schedule and our energy and our focus. There's a lot of choices that we have. And and, and again, I'll I'll say this because it's worth saying. Because again, I'm all for hustling. I'm all for doing these things. But you cannot hustle your way to heaven. It is not possible to, to work so hard that you get there. One of the beauties about grace is it's this free gift that we receive. Of course, we work out of that. Of course, we, 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 we do great things out of that, but, but we just cannot do that. And again, one of the issues is the busier we become in some ways, the more burdened uh, we have the opportunity to be. Uh, there's a pastor named John Mark Comer who wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a great book if you're into reading, would highly recommend it. But, but he said this uh, once in this book. He said, Corey ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, He'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. There are many of us who are spiritually dying because we are just too busy. And I worry that there'll be many of us who someday might get to the end of our lives, and we're going to be like, Jesus, where are you? And he's going to be like, "I, I didn't know you. You're too busy for me. And we'll get there dragging on E. There is so much in our control to look at the pace that we're going, to reassess, is this working for me? And again, for some of us, we may have to have to have God help us put away the American dream so we can experience the true kingdom. Because while I I love my country, there's so much good about the idea of of sort of the American dream ideal. There's a big piece of it that so many of us pursue that. And sometimes we even get it at the cost and the detriment of our soul and our eternity. You were made to experience peace and rest in him. Here's the second thing we, we, we have to do. We have to refocus our mind on things that bring us life in Jesus. Again, there is so much of our life that is in our control. We get to to choose in lots of different ways the influences we allow in our lives, the news that we consume, the entertainment that we watch, the relationships that we have. And there are many of us who we spend very little bit of our time in our lives actually thinking about God and what he desires for us. And it's one of those things where should we be shocked that he is not really bringing a lot of peace and rest to our lives? We're not even focusing on him. It's like those friendships. You may have had those before, right? Where you see that friend out in public who kind of ghosts you sometimes. You don't see him and they're like, I just miss you so much. And it's like, do you? Do you? You sure about that? And that's what I kind of wonder for some of us. We don't think about things that bring us life and hope. We forget that what we consume ultimately will consume us. In Colossians chapter three, Paul said this. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So many of us are so focused on life today that we are missing out on making decisions that will impact our eternity and the eternity of others. I'll get on my soapbox for for a quick minute. I see tons of parents and grandparents who deeply invest money and time and energy and stress into the life of their kids for things that are good things but are not eternal. Eternal. And they put all this pressure, all this focus, because they can only do certain things for this one time. And I've talked to parents and grandparents over and over about their sadness, sometimes later on in life when their kids have zero desire to be involved in church or follow Jesus. And so much of it, I sometimes look at them and say, you never made it a priority. And you never modeled it for them. One of the greatest gifts that you could give your kids and your grandkids is to give them the example of someone who walks at the pace of grace. Someone whose mind, it is obvious, is set on things above. Someone who actually is finding rest in Jesus. Because kids are growing up and they are seeing and they are feeling it at higher rates, a sense of I don't feel great inside. I don't know what to do. I'm just all sorts of, and the church has an incredible opportunity to show them the one person, the one source that will actually bring them peace and wholeness and rest in their life. But we have to be willing to make it a priority and to live it out and to model it. Not as people who have it all together, but people who are stumbling forward trying. And here's the last thing we have to do. We have to recenter our hearts on Jesus because he is all we need. Sometimes I have to keep reminding myself that, that Jesus is all we need. And that it doesn't matter our successes or our failures. It doesn't matter how much money we earn. It doesn't matter whether our kids make the honor roll or they get invited to the principal's office. It doesn't matter whether or not our house is this big or we don't have a house. At the end of the day, if our heart is centered on Jesus, that's all we need. Of course, we can have goals. Of course, there are things that would be awesome for our life. But at the end of the day, if we don't have Jesus, we're broke. If we don't have Jesus, it's not if we break down on the side of the road empty It's when. And so for some of us, maybe this morning, one of the great opportunities is just to, for the first time ever, surrender our heart to Jesus, to stop that constant um, sort of hamster on on the wheel um, feeling of life, and just experience a sense of contentment in him. And for others, maybe we need to begin to build our life in a way where we have indicators. My van, we never had one of these before, uh, but our our van will tell us how many miles there are until you're at E, right? Which I don't want to brag, but there's been multiple times where I have pulled into the gas station on zero, so cheated the system. My wife loves when I do that. But to be honest, one of the great things about that indicator is um, knowing when you're going to feel that need. And for some of us, we need to set up some rhythms and paces where we don't experience that, but where we also have indicators. Maybe there are relationships in our lives where people can look at us and say, I think you need to slow down. I think you need to pause. I think you need to rethink your pace. I think your mind is not set on the right thing. Or maybe even just say, hey, I really think right now that Jesus isn't at the center right now. One of my great hopes for all of us is just to experience that. To experience rest and wholeness and to just know that he's good. And to know that when we rest, we can trust him. That he is enough. That there's no FOMO, no fear of missing out on anything. There's no thing that, oh, if we could just get this house or this vacation or all this sort of stuff, if we could just find contentment in him, if we'd realize he's the prize, he's the goal. Man, our lives, what our families, what our church, what our neighborhoods, what our schools, what our workplaces just be abundantly different. And so the invitation for all of us this morning is to come to him. To experience that his burden is light, that his yoke is easy, and that he is good. Worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna sing one last song. And uh, I'm gonna invite you guys to stand with me right now. And we're going to go into a time of prayer. And uh, my my hope in prayer is that during this time, that maybe you would just listen. Maybe there's nothing you need to say to God. Maybe you just need to allow him to talk. And maybe there's a word that he has for you. Maybe it's just the invitation to come home. Maybe it's the invitation to slow down. Or maybe it's the invitation to recenter. But whatever he has to say to you this morning, would you listen to him? Let's pray. Father, we are um, so grateful for your grace and your mercy. We're grateful for the fact that you are a God who desires for us to experience uh, a pace that is one that is filled with grace, one that doesn't lead us uh, to burnouts, one that doesn't make us feel like we're never going to measure up. Father, for some of us this morning, we just need to hear that in you, we are enough. We are all that you desire. We're everything that you want. Father, this morning, help us assess. Maybe our pace needs to change. Maybe our mind needs to get more clear and focused. And most of all, Father, maybe our hearts just need to be fully centered on you. So Father, speak to us in this moment. Remind us that you are king and that you are good and that you are here. Thank you, Father, for inviting us home and for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray.